Well, hello, friends. Last week, we started a new sermon series called This Changes Everything. And we realized kind of in the middle of worship on Sunday that we probably should have called it like Jesus Changes Everything or The Birth of Jesus Changes Everything, because that's really what we mean when we say this changes everything. But last week, we kind of talked about how Jesus's invitation was not simply to a new set of beliefs, but to a new way of life. Last week, Owen set up the series with a really helpful metaphor, and if you were here, you might remember that he brought a pair of running shoes with him that was still in the box, and he said he'd been intending to wear those shoes to go on a run since Thanksgiving. And we talked about how he considers himself to be a runner, he's run a lot in the past, he desires to be a runner, and yet his running shoes are still in the box. He said kind of none of his intentions matter if he doesn't put on the shoes and start walking. Now, I want to be clear, I am not a runner, and people that choose to run for fun both equally confuse me and impress me, so I don't really know that I will have much to add to kind of the running metaphor this morning, but I certainly have a lot of things in my life that I just have great intentions of doing, like the 52 yoga classes I was going to go to last year that I panicked in December because we were not there yet and there were not 52 days left in the year. or the kind of morning and evening routines that I've been in the process of failing at for the last three years or so. But whether it's running or yoga or being a routine person, I certainly find myself confronted by the reminder that something can't change my life if it's only a dream written down in a planner or a list of goals or a pair of shoes in a box sitting on a shelf. In a similar way, our faith likely isn't changing our life if it's only a set of beliefs in our Bible, on our bookshelf. However, if we desire to live a life of faith, then we've got to put it into action to take our shoes out of the box to go for a walk. And if you feel like you are in a place in your faith that you are like, yes, Hope, I am ready to go for a walk. I'm ready to lace up my shoes, ready for my faith to impact my everyday ordinary life. Then this is kind of the perfect morning for you. Uh, We'll be talking about what this kind of transformed life can look like. Now, I wonder if you have ever witnessed somebody's life who has been transformed by something beautiful. Now, this kind of life transformation can be a myriad of different things. Um, A couple things that come to mind for me are when I've gotten to watch somebody's life be transformed by a job or a role that just so perfectly aligns with their gifts and passions, they just like come alive in a brand new way to kind of watching a close friend fall in love for the first time and all of kind of the fun and beauty that comes from getting to witness that from up close, to watching a kid fall in love with a sport that they just can't stop doing or practicing, whether they're in front of the TV, kind of stretching or bebopping around the house while they are kind of doing spins or practicing their swing or whatever it is. Um, all of these things are beautiful life transformations. Transformations that cannot help but impact nearly all aspects of our life, just by nature of how they tend to kind of change everything. Similarly, our lives of faith invite us into this kind of beautiful and radical life transformation. Our faith is about more than simply just being morally good and kind to others, but rather when our faith has radically transformed us, then in turn, the rest of our lives are changed by the ripple effects that our faith has on everything around us. This is the kind of beautiful and radical life transformation that Paul talks about in his letter to the Colossians. This is a church community that Paul's colleague had started, and this letter that he wrote kind of serves as a note of encouragement as they're in the midst of facing some difficulties. 
but in this letter, Paul is going to take some time to thoroughly detail the impact their faith should have on their lives. He instructs the Colossians that they will need to leave behind some things in this kind of transformed way of life. And there are some things that they can also pick up in this transformed way of life. So we'll uh, read his words. This is the book of Colossians, chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 7. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Then he goes on to list those things. He says, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In these words, Paul is reminding us that our words and our actions matter. That when we speak with anger and malintent towards one another, that that's not actually reflective of the way of Jesus. That when we lie or use abusive or manipulative language, that is also not of Jesus. And we see in the very next verse, um, Paul kind of goes on to end this section by saying that the Colossians should clothe themselves with the new self. And then he describes kind of what this renewed image of the creator might look like and all that this kind of new life in Christ might look like in a transformed way of life. So we're going to pick back up in verse 11. It says, in that renewal, there's no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with these things, with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I think it's important to name here that Paul is not just telling the Colossians, like, muster up enough compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and just do this out of nowhere. He isn't saying to them that they must do these things out of sheer will and good intentions that they set in the new year or wrote down in their planner. But he's inviting them into the kind of transformed life that we see in the way of Jesus that he invites us into, a kind of transformation that shifts our very beings such that when we use words of anger, and those used to be the only words that we knew um, how to find, and now we find ourselves with compassion and kindness just kind of spilling out like they are our native language, that words of anger no longer mark us, but rather care and compassion of our God mark all of the words that we say. Paul is saying that their faith shouldn't simply transform a part of who they are or just a segment of their lives. But rather, Paul is saying that their faith ought to transform the fullness of their lives, the fullness of who they are, their words, their actions, the way that they care for one another and extend forgiveness when someone has a complaint. He's inviting the Colossians to clothe themselves in love, which I think is kind of a, a funny thing to say. Um, but kind of the image that comes to mind as he says that is that if anything is going to come out of your mouth or anything that they are going to receive from others, it first must be filtered through the lens of love because they've so clothed themselves in love that that's kind of the barrier that they both give and receive from. Now, I don't know about you, 
but I know that I want my life to be marked by the kind of radical love that we find in Jesus. I want my life to be filtered with the beauty and clothed with the beauty of love. I want my life to spill over with a kind of compassion and care of Jesus such that anyone I encounter brushes up with the love of their creator. And even as somebody who desires these things so fully, who desires to live this radical, transformed kind of way of life, I also realize and will confess that too often I choose for my faith to be a side hustle. Too often I choose for my faith to only impact just a few things in my life that are on the side over here, um, rather than letting my faith in Jesus transform everything. Now, to be clear, I know it can be kind of confusing because I do work in a church. I don't actually mean a side hustle in terms of like how I pay my bills or the amount of time I spend working at the church, because I think that faith as a side hustle is something that many of us choose unintentionally, whether or not we are pastors or work in a church or anything else. But here's the deal. If I am primarily trying to do good in the world, if I'm trying to do no harm, to live a life marked by God's love, justice, and care for the most vulnerable, but my faith is just only a side hustle, then it is likely just kind of my faith is something that I'm pulling off of kind of the church box that I'm taking that off of the shelf uh, just once or twice a week when I'm just ready to flex those muscles um, rather than something that my faith is at the center of who I am that transforms my words and my actions and my care for others and everything in my everyday ordinary life. So friends, if I desire to live a life that is so transformed by the love of God, then my faith has got to be more than just a side hustle. I wonder, do you desire for your faith to become more than just a side hustle in your life? Maybe this is something you've wrestled with long ago and it doesn't apply to you. Um, but for those of us that kind of struggle with this, um, as I have kind of considered this work and what it looks like to live a life that is transformed by the love of Jesus, particularly uh, this weekend, though regularly, I'm reminded of the life and work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, Dr. King regularly talked about a beloved community a community characterized um, by love and understanding and mutual respect. And this concept of a beloved community is not simply a concept that Dr. King made up out of thin air, but rather it's something that is rooted in Christian teachings that emphasizes the interconnectedness of all people and the need to work together for justice towards a common good. Dr. King knew what it looked like to live a transformed life. His faith was not just a side hustle. Um, to his movement towards justice, but rather his life was radically transformed by the love of Jesus such that he could not help but live in such a way that bent towards love and justice and care and compassion. He spoke regularly about our words being marked with love rather than hate. And Dr. King was not a Methodist. He was a pastor, um, but not a Methodist one. Uh, but nonetheless, I think he lived out one of the hallmarks of our kind of faith as Methodists. And if you have been through our new members class recently, you've probably heard me talk about kind of the two beautiful hands that's a, a hallmark of our faith as Methodists. And if you hadn't heard about it or maybe need a refresher, this metaphor is kind of where we believe that our faith should lead us to both personal or individual holiness as well as social holiness. 
Now, sometimes we tend to think of our faith just kind of over here as only personal and private. It's something that maybe only exists in the quietness of reading scripture or devotional life. However, I really love and kind of appreciate this two beautiful hands metaphor that reminds us that our faith should both transform our individual lives as well as our communal lives together. Through um, individual holiness, we'll start there. Uh, we believe that our faith should lead us on a journey of growth in our love of God across our lifetime. We believe that our faith isn't just something that happens in an instant when we choose to believe, but that it's a journey of growth in love and care across a lifetime. As we pray and read scripture and participate in communion, we hope to be transformed to become more like Jesus. Individual holiness is not just a call to adhere to like a set of rules, but rather it is a transformation of our hearts through God's grace working in our lives to transform us day after day more into people who are characterized by the love and grace of our God. And we believe that it doesn't just stop there with this kind of personal holiness, but that our Personal holiness or individual holiness should always lead us towards social holiness, um, to work towards justice and compassion in our communities, such that our faith isn't just something we believe that is, you know, that thing that sits on the shelf over there, that it calls us to act differently in the world around us, to engage in combating systemic injustices such as poverty and inequity, and to engage in the work of anti-racism and peacemaking such that our communities are transformed by the same kind of care and compassion we find in God's love for each and every one of us. Maybe you've heard us say, transformed lives, transformed communities. When we talk about this metaphor of two beautiful hands, like that's what we are referencing when we say that transformed lives transform communities. That when we are so transformed by the love of God, we just cannot help but desire for our communities to be so transformed as well. Now, I don't know where you sit this morning, but if this is something that you desire, you desire to live a transformed life, and the great news is this is the perfect place to start. I get to sit in a really privileged seat where I regularly get to bear witness and kind of see the ways in which God is regularly transforming people's lives in our church and therefore transforming the ways in which we engage with the community around us. And um, not just weekly, but daily, I get to see what this kind of life transformation looks like, where people have engaged with their faith deeply and then kind of done something about it. It's not just something that sits on the shelf. There's Gosh, just countless examples of this, um, but just a few to name. We have folks that month after month serve over 400 hot meals through Main Street Kitchen to people in our community that don't always get a hot meal for lunch, uh, to partnerships like Read and Feed that partner with kids to help sharpen their reading skills, kind of give them one-on-one -on -one mentorship. Like there are just so many ways like these two and many more um, ways that we are engaging in community partnerships where people haven't just kept their faith on a shelf, but that they have allowed the love and grace of God from their individual faith that they are living out to impact the ways in which they are engaging in the community around us. So if you are kind of hopeful to engage in this work too, if you're looking for mentors along the journey, or maybe you aren't even sure where to start, and the good news is that this is a church community filled with people that can be great partners on this journey. So as we head out to engage in this work, well, my hope is that each of our transformed lives, when we come together collectively, 
can transform our community. Let's pray together. Holy God, I give you so much thanks and praise for the ways in which you already have transformed lives and the community around us because of your love and grace and compassion. Holy God, I give you thanks that you are a God that ever goes before us and prepares a way such that this morning, if we are desiring to live a life that is transformed by your love and your care and your grace, but that we don't know where to start, then we can rest in the promise that you have already gone before us, preparing a way in love and grace. So we ask that you would meet us wherever we are along this journey, that you would remind us that our faith is not simply that something that changes our beliefs, but rather our faith calls us not only to engage in prayer and reading scripture and our devotional life, but that our faith always calls us towards action and towards service of one another. In the moments where that work is hard, we find ourselves wanting to use words filled with hate and anger and malice. Lord, we ask that you would remind us that you clothe us in love. That you are a God whose love and grace and compassion can transcend all that we are and all that we say and all that we do. We boldly ask today that you would not leave us as a community where we are, but that you would ever more invite us into further life transformation, such that whenever people bump up to anyone from Pukwe Verena United Methodist Church, they might find that they have also bumped up against the love and the care and the compassion of their creator. Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Well, it's been great to worship with you together during this time. Uh, We'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship in person or online, live on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. You can find more information about our worship times or worship with us online at fvumc.org. And while you're there, uh, you can find plenty of ways to connect with us, uh, whether that's uh, connecting in sort of an opportunity for community around here or serving the greater Fuquay community around us. Uh, So we'd love to invite you to join us for those. If this is a resource that provides you spiritual sustenance and you'd like to partner with us in making it possible for everyone else, while you're there, at the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says give, or you can go to fvumc.org slash give and make a gift there that makes the mission and ministry of this place possible. We're so thankful for everyone who partners with us uh, to do just that. Listen, it's been great. It's been great to be together with you uh, in this moment, and we look forward to worshiping again with you real soon. We'll see you then.